Ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to the program. It is your host with the most hopsy baby boy back up north, north of the 49th parallel in Canada, my native land. Um, made it back. Um, always great to be home. Wish it was obviously under some different circumstances, but that, that ain't going to slow me down, folks. All right. If you know anything about this program or the man behind the microphone, you're not going to find a little speed bump like that to slow him down. All right. So I can guarantee you that. Um, it's good to be home. It's good to be home. It's minus 10 today, though, which isn't that sweet, but there's not a lot of snow where I'm at. I'm up in Sebringville, Ontario, um, which if you actually put into a map, it wouldn't even come up because I don't think it even exists. It's literally an intersection. Um, there's an SO. And other than that, there's not a whole lot. Um, many of the people who live off the main road, their backyards go into farmer's fields as far as the eye can see until you hit Lake Huron or um, you hit something other there down south. But it's it's great to be home. Um, I love it by here. This actually, I, I, I say it's Sebringville, but I'm literally just outside of Stratford, which is the home of the Beebs. The Beebs. Justin Bieber got his little start here. He has that sweet YouTube documentary, and they're cutting around uh, downtown Stratford, showing some of the places he hung out when he grew up, you know, busking on the City Hall steps. Beautiful, beautiful content, beautiful stuff. Apparently, um... He frequents the region often, and uh, rumor had it that uh, during the start of the pandemic, him and his old lady, Haley, were making uh, their rounds in the area. Rumor has it he has a house in Cambridge, um, not far from here. But uh, he drives uh, this car. I'm not sure if it's a Cadillac, but it's, like, all blacked out. And if you call, if you type in, like, Justin Bieber's Batmobile, um, it'll pop up, and you'll see it. It's a pretty sick car, but apparently that's what he drives when he's behind the wheel. And um, some people I know around town are telling me they've seen it on multiple on, on a multiple of occasions. So that's kind of cool. Um, but uh, I have yet to see him. But I like to I like to think that if I did come across him, that maybe we'd share a connection and maybe he'd want to come on the show. So stay tuned for that. I mean, that can always happen. Um, I'm on I'm on quarantine. Canada takes this coronavirus shit very seriously. Um, so I'm not enjoying many of the freedoms I was when I was down south in the States because I am right now on an allotted government advised or government issued, we'll say, quarantine for 14 days. So I got here, day was that, I would have got into Canada on the 10th. So I'm, I'm, I'm five days in, I'm getting there. I'm going to have a couple more shows. They'll probably come out this week because I'm bored and I got nothing else to do. I'm going to have some cool guests. Uh, this episode, it's just me. Uh, we're doing some clerical duty. On the, on the air, we're going to, you know, kind of spitball and see where this thing's going to go now that I'm back home and uh, plans have changed and uh, things are going to be uh, getting shaken up here. But uh, one thing, I, am, I, love, I love getting a good roadie in. There's nothing better than a good long drive. There's something about that way of travel that uh, is just so appealing to me. I love it so much. I've been very fortunate to have done um, a good amount of uh, long distance road trips for my ripe age of 26. I've been very lucky. Um I moved away at the start of 12th grade, and then I came back and finished high school in Calgary. But I've been on the go for a while. I lived in Lethbridge, lived in New Brunswick, lived in Ontario, made my way down south to Alabama for a bit. And um, I brought the same pickup truck to all of those locations, the beautiful Dodge Dakota 2008. Um, you're going to hear a lot of talk about this this car on this program because it's kind of like my sister, my brother. It's part of my family. Um 
a lot of my friends that uh, have you know have seen me drive this. My mom, my mother got it when I was in when I was fourteen. I was in ninth grade when my mom got this truck, and that was her truck originally. And then when I was nineteen, I took it over, uh, much to the displeasure of my older sister. Um, but I took it over, and I and I've me and her have. Bought, I call it the Dakota. I used to call it Betty, but that doesn't fly. It's just the Dakota. That's her name. Um, we've had we've had so many good drives, man. So many good drives. So I mean, it sucks getting cut, but it was it was hilarious getting uh, to do that little trip. It was fun getting to do that impromptu podcast there. And is that the word you say, impromptu? But Nashville was fun. Nashville was sick. Uh, we had a good time doing that show, and then literally we hung up the dial and we sprinted out. Uh, we got an Uber and we made our way downtown to Broadway. Which was, in terms of COVID, like there was definitely a lot of people wearing masks, which I thought was surprising because originally when I went in there, I didn't think there was any restrictions at all. But um, <clears throat> I mean, Nashville's funny. It's obviously like Broadway is sick and I didn't get a great look at the rest of the town, but it doesn't seem like there's much going on. And then all of a sudden you're just on Broadway and the place is just buzzing. Like it's pretty crazy. It doesn't go on as long as I thought it did, but... I got dropped off right in front of Bridgestone Arena by the Uber, and then we just kind of shuffled into a couple places. The first place we went to was Tootsie's. I don't know much about Nashville, but that was a place for some reason I had uh, heard of a lot of a lot of times before. And so we hopped in there, and basically from the ne- then on, it was just slam a beer as quick as you can and make your way on to the next place. Um, so we had a lot of fun, though. It was great. I mean, we did it justice for what we could. For some reason, I think this was due to COVID, everything was shutting down at 1230 at night. So we got there downtown probably just after eight. So we had, you know, we had a good four hours down there ripping it up and we had some fun. Somehow I think I smoked like two packs of cigarettes in that time, which is really impressive. Like even if you smoked a lot of darts, I'd say you're disgusting. I was probably the most disgusting person ever. We were at this one place and the guy had no idea what I was doing. We're at a rooftop patio and the bouncer comes up to me. He's like, Hey man, like he's assumed he's probably hears this all the time. You know, no one's, everyone's fucking going around. You're outside, you rip a dart. So I start ripping one and this guy comes up to me. He's got a mask on security guard. He's like, Hey man, sorry. Like we don't smoke in here. Like, I know you've probably never been here before. And a lot of guys go, you know, do the same thing. And I was like, Oh, sorry, man. Like I didn't know. And then like, for some reason I just like didn't stop smoking it. I just kept puffing it. And he's like pretty close to me. And like, I was like, Oh shit, man. Sorry. I didn't know. And like, I just, I wasn't even thinking I'm like just sitting there breathing. Like it's kind of a cold night. And I'm just like blowing the smoke right into this bouncer's face. And then like, he's looking at me and like, I've had a couple of drinks. I'm not really thinking he's like telling me to get rid of it. And I just, for some reason took like three more drags of this cigarette while like, like staring him in the eye. And he was so shocked because like, I'm a nice guy. I wasn't giving him a hard time. Like, I feel like there was, I was giving him good vibes as everyone is saying now, but he was in such utter disbelief. Like we locked eyes. Like he had these nice blue eyes and I was just staring at him. I didn't know what to do. I kind of froze, but my, my left hand with the cigarette nicely clasped in there just kept working for some reason. I got in about three or four more puffs. And then there was like, I forget who was beside me, but they were just like, man, are you going to, are you going to throw that cigarette out? And I was like, yeah, I guess. And then after they said that, I went for one more quick drag and I just like, threw it off the roof of this building we were at this rooftop patio it probably landed on someone's skull and burnt right through their scalp i hope it didn't but it might have because i was pretty i wasn't really thinking it was a really weird moment um but the night was good we had a really good night i'm definitely gonna have to do a a a trip that's gonna do that justice where i can actually check the places out see what's going on but it's just really cool like why can't every town be like that and have live music everywhere is that not what people want I think that's so sweet. They had multiple options. They had like some rock clubs. They had some great blues spots, obviously, and, you know, country everywhere. 
but it's that's just cool. There's something about live music. Geez, I haven't seen live music in a long time, really, because you know I was probably in over a year. Obviously, uh, it's just about a year ago now. I'm recording this Monday, fifteenth. The world shut down a year ago this time, and you know we're still kind of dealing with it. Times are tough, but you know it, it is the way it is. But I'm happy I got a night out in Nashville. It it, it was pretty sweet. We had a great time and. Uh, we made our way back to the hotel at a decent hour. It was weird though. Like I said, closed down at 1230. Um, we're in the bar and uh, we're just sitting there just past 1230. It's 1245. They won't serve us any more beers. So we kind of file out of this back uh, door because, you know, it's time to go. Everyone's leaving. Place is quieting down. And we hop on Broadway. It's like 110 now. No, there's not one person on Broadway. Not a single soul in the entire music. Not one person on the street. We got, we found one guy, one guy. I think he might've been homeless. I'm not sure. We start yapping to him, get him to take a quick pick. You know, the whole, the, sh the, the typical shebang. And then we're on our way. We're trying to get away home. I'm uh, looking up an Uber. I'm in Nashville, Tennessee, downtown Nashville, Tennessee. It's, it's just after 1 a.m. It was a, yeah, it was a went, whatever night it was, Tuesday. It was a Tuesday night. Not an Uber in town. Not one Uber available. Couldn't find a single one. A little, little weird, No. So uh, I had to download Lyft. My first Lyft experience was fine. We got home at a decent hour, but I just thought that was very odd. Uh, had a great night, though. Definitely, like I said, put that on my calendar one day. Going to be going back there and making it a, a several-day trip. It's too bad they didn't have a ba baseball team in Nashville, which I find it kind of crazy they don't. But wouldn't that be sweet? All four major sports right in that town. Be deadly. Not sure if they have an MLS team, but you know it's a great city. Love to check it out more. Um, the next day, we wake up. And um, we were about to take off together for Toronto. I was going to drive the boys, but they, uh, where we were at Nashville, and those two being from Saskatchewan, it was a tw they, we were 22 hours via road to the Saskatchewan border. And um, our original plan was they were going to hop in with me for a 12-hour ride to Toronto, which they were then going to rent a car and start the 37-hour drive to Regina from Toronto. Which um, would have they'd have to take the Canadian way. Most people that would make that trip from Southern Ontario would just skip through the states, but that obviously not being an option would make their trip about twice as long. So we hit the phone lines. Um, same thing. For some reason, uh, there was not a single rental car in the entire city of Nashville during a pandemic. When I'm assuming that maybe car rentals would be down, there wouldn't be as much travel. Not a single car in the entire city. We thought that was different. So uh, we Googled up a spot about a kilometer or two away, Enterprise, and I sent the boys in there, and they basically berated the fella at the front desk until they let him rent a car. They drove that to Minot, Minnesota. I think I'm saying that right. Minot. I believe it's Minot, not Minot. Minot. And um, they got a one-way car rental there. That would have been about a 20-something hour drive from Nashville. They made it there. Then they needed to get a ride for two hours for from a guy that worked at Enterprise to the border of Saskatchewan. And then on the Canadian side, they needed someone they knew to drop off a truck. Someone The person couldn't pick them up and drive back because then that person who picked them up in the rules set by the Canadian government would have to quarantine with them for 14 days after their arrival to Canada from the States. So they had to get someone to drop a truck off on the other side of the road and another side of the road, other side of the border. And these boys took all their shit and walked across the border. All their hockey gear, all their clothes and everything. And they they took north by foot. Um, and good news is I didn't see anything on CNN or Fox News in the morning. The CBC wasn't covering anything about the two idiots from Saskatchewan crossing the border mid-pandemic via foot. 
through a closed international border, but they made it through fine. And um, they were, fuck, I was home 24 hours plus before them, but uh, God love them. They made it home. Um, it was, you know, it worked out fine for me. I, it would have been fun to drive home with them for sure, but I've been lucky driven across the country to, like I, like I said, touched on earlier, I've, I've driven this truck everywhere. I've done some long trips and I find I personally like doing a, a roadie like that alone. There's a beauty to it. I mean, I don't mind being alone on the road at all. I don't need that company. What I like is the freedom to, you know, you're on the road alone. You listen to whatever tunes you want. Um, you want to listen to a podcast. You want to cut it back in the middle and listen to something else. You want to repeat part of it because you weren't paying attention the last five minutes. You want to pull over, take a shit in the middle of the road. You want to go get a donut. You want to get a coffee. You want to get some food. You can do all of that on your own accord. When you have to go to the washroom, you're not pulling over when someone else does. Because personally, when I get in the road, I hate taking a leak because I try to pass a lot of people on the road. You know, you're trying to make up good time, especially if you're on a long road trip. You know, you're not being crazy. You're not being dangerous, but you're putting the hammer down a little bit to make some time. So I f always feel like when you make way, it's like, well, I can't take a piss now. And then I got to repass all of these cars again. So you just hold it in until you're bursting at the seams and you just start trickling down your leg. That's usually my play. But I, I love I love a good long roadie. There's something about it. Certain road trips, you know, I've done long road trips, 12 plus hours where I haven't even listened to a single song. All I do is crush podcasts the whole time. And then there's other times where I'm all about the tunes and, you know, I'm getting deep into some artists that, you know, I don't get a lot of time to spend with and stuff like that. Long road trips are a very beautiful thing. Great to be by yourself and, uh, you know, just uh, just go for a little cruise and enjoy it. Um, throw a chew in, you know, enjoy the hell out of that. Enjoy the heck of a $3 tin in the States before you get up at Canada and they're $32 a can. I, I always make an effort in the States when you buy a tin to, to let them know that this is $32 in, the, in Canada. And the people almost shit their pants and slip in it. It's pretty crazy. But um, I, I do have a bit of a bone to pick with the American roadway system. And that's just because, I mean, I was traveling up I-65, which is a very well-known big interstate in America. Made the transition to the I-75. I want to say that might have been at Louisville. And it might have been Cincinnati. I'm not going to look it up because I don't care. And neither do you if you're listening. But, you know, you, you get the off-ramp that has all the signs beforehand telling you the number of the X to get off to the certain gas station with the certain food options. And, you know, half the time, like where I was driving from Alabama north to Canada, I went through Tennessee, I went through Kentucky, I went through Ohio, I went, uh, I don't think I touched Indiana on this trip at all, but then obviously I'm through Michigan and so on and so forth. So, you know, I'm going through a lot of places, middle America, and I, I just can't seem to find an exit to a gas station or food spot that doesn't take me 17 towns over. All of a sudden I'm in a different county. I'm in a different state, six miles off the highway, which turns into 67 miles once you get caught in local traffic and construction and all the bullshit going on. I mean, I think that's, that's got to come to an end. I'd hope it was so that that's like, you just like want to get gas and you want to just go for a roll. And then you, you're just dreading getting off the highway, having to fucking ruin your whole day trying to get back on. I got off the highway somewhere, got gas and went to a Jersey Mike's hilarious sub. Anyways, that was a different story. It took me like 45. It was like a an hour operation to get gas, get a sandwich and get back on the highway. Like I, I you can't take that's just that's, that's your whole day. I could have been 100 kilometers north. I could have been buzzing. And one of my favorite things to do when I'm on the road is, is like, especially to drive like that, 
I would like, you know, you're, you obviously have your GPS on, and, you know, there's, it's so easy to know where you are now, but whenever I'd go into a gas station, I'd ask the lady if I was getting gas or whatever, I'd be like, excuse me, ma'am, what town is this? And they just look at you like, you're so stupid. I'm like, I'm like excuse me, ma'am, what town is this? And they'd tell you something in the middle of fuck nowhereville. And then I'd be like, okay, what state is that? And then they'd just be like, is this, is this a dumb fucking idiot in front of me? And I'd be like, yep, it is. But then you still need them to tell you because then you can figure out where the hell you are. I mean, it's just, it's kind of comical. But um, I made it, I made it, made really good time. The roads weren't too crazy. Um, I was getting a little pissed off though. I mean, I was getting a little rambunctious. I wanted to get home. I was a little hungover, a little tired. So, you know, I'm trying to get home, trying to press it. Like I said, not hammered down, but I'm, I'm moving at a good clip. And so, you know, I'm trying to stay to the left lane if I'm passing someone. And sometimes, you know, you get those people in front of you and they're just going, like they're not even going the speed limit in the left lane. Like you're on an interstate. Like there's trucks everywhere. Like these people aren't going fast. And then you get to a point where it's like, okay, like get out of the lane. So then you start kind of like nudging up on them a bit. And most people understand that when you get a little close to them, it's like, okay, I am going too slow. I'm in the left lane. It's time for me to get the fuck out and let this guy drive who's, you know, doing the right thing. He's moving at a standardized faster clip, but he's in the left lane, which is made for passing. So multiple times I just started not tailgating people, but, you know, getting close and letting them know that like, Let's, let's move it on here because, you know, you, this can't happen. This isn't right. And I kind of got a guy behind me somewhere in on, on Ohio and he was, and he was c- kind of close on me. And then I kind of started trying to think that this guy in front of me might, if I nudged up on him a bit, maybe he'd get moving and we'd, we'd keep this thing going and I could get out of buddy's way and let him pass me. But then the fellow in front of me, he kind of got in a bit of a gridlock. And next thing you know, we're, we're not going anywhere. And I got a guy on my ass, buddy right in front of me. I'm sniffing his ass right in front of me. And I'm behind him for five, 10 minutes, nothing crazy. And then finally he turns out, he turns off into the next lane abruptly. Like the moment he gets past this last transport that kind of gives us a break on the highway. And I'm not really paying attention. I'm just like driving and I'm staying in the left lane as he pulls off. Cause I'm going to, you know, stay at a good clip and, and move on by him. And then something catches my attention out of the corner of my eye. And I, and I, and I kind of look over and I do a double take because I look over and this fellow who I just passed, he's got his window down like we're going like 85 miles an hour like we're bucketing like what is that in kilometers like 130 something 135 we're flying like we're going a good clip i think this guy had both arms out the window i don't even know how he was driving he must have been driving with his knees maybe his dick was wrapped around the wheel i don't know it was insane he i look over and he's like screaming at me being like what the fuck are you doing and like i didn't even know what to say like i just like looked at him with like both eyes open like i wish i wish i did a youtube right now so you could see what i'm doing I just had my one hand on the wheel and I just kind of like shockingly like turned my torso towards him and I just let my jaw drop and I was like, (gasps) and then I just kept going and as like my speed, like I didn't break that stare. I just like kept going by him and then he couldn't see me anymore and I just like drove by him with my jaw dropped feeling like, this guy's a sicko. Anyways, I wish you could have been there. It it was quite funny. It was was quite funny, but stormed my way up to the border that night um i crossed the border in port huron just north of detroit usually i would have crossed over the detroit way in windsor but um after detroit it's it's an interstate you can drive faster in america you know you get a chance at maybe another half tank of gas which is fucking criminally cheaper than canada so after detroit it was it was it was clean sailing like the only thing there's barely anyone on the road um made it through to the port huron border and like that border has like 20 gates probably and there was two open and there was no one else crossing the border but one transport and i mean i've crossed these borders night and day many different hours and the places are usually just absolutely buzzing and this place was just a ghost town like it was honestly kind of hilarious and 
I mean, I, I went through the border. It was all, it was pretty standardized bullshit. You know, like you, you can expect it with the pandemic. They're telling you to isolate. They give you the pamphlet. They actually gave me these two tests that were supposed to be self-administered to myself. They, um, they like give them to you. You're supposed to take one on your first day when you cross the border by land. Because when you cross the border by land, now you don't have to quarantine. That's another one for my non-Canadian listeners. If you are abroad and you're Canadian right now and you're coming back to the country via air, via airline, you have to pay for a hotel for a three-day quarantine out of your own pocket so that, I don't know why, why we know why, but like, I don't know, what's three days going to do? I thought it was 14. You can't ask them to pay 14 days in a hotel because no one could afford that. No one would do that. But like three days, like, what are we doing? We're just jumping through hoops to say that we're like fighting this thing. And then I laughed. Like I was telling my buddy about, uh, I was telling my buddy about like this, these tests that were administered to, to the government and they're by something called like stack health or something like that. And the guy I was talking to, I was just joking around. And I was like, yeah. And I heard that Trudeau's cousins, the CEO, and he started fucking losing it. He started yelling at the guy behind him. Did you fucking hear that? Stacks Foxy. And next thing you know, it was three hours later. It was on my aunt's Facebook. Someone was tweeting it. Fucking talking about that. Crazy. That's how rumors are started, people, okay? So how about you lock that shit up? I'm joking with the stack health thing. But wouldn't that be funny? I love saying that to people. It's so easy nowadays. Like, you have a conversation with a guy. And, like, there's something the other day. had some government packaging on it. And it was like, well, you know, you know that Trudeau or Trudeau's uncle is the, he's the head of uh, Purolator. So that's how they got that contract. You just put that in people's heads. It's just fucking hilarious. Just hilarious. Enough of that, though. I mean, this isn't a political podcast, folks. You know that that is not what we do. All right? Um, this is kind of hilarious. I don't like to touch on this very much, but this is just pissing me off so much. And there's a lot of talk about this. And it's about non-fungible tokens. We've been hearing a lot of talk about NFTs. I haven't said a word about it on this show yet because I don't really know much about it. I have done very limited research but it just it, this this kind of shit is kind of pissing me off. A lot of talk about it. A lot of uh, well-known rich people are getting involved. Like Lindsay Lohan sold a picture of herself with a diamond for like seventeen thousand dollars. Um, one just sold yesterday for sixty-nine million dollars, and it was um, I don't even know it was uh, I don't even know what the picture of it was. Mark Cuban sold a, a fucking NFT of himself. I'm like, this is just, this is, what is an NFT? Good question. NFT stands for a non-fungible token. So in economics, a fungible asset is something with units that can be like interchanged easily, aka some money. So, but the problem is with money, that makes it different than an NFT. So you take a $10 bill, you can go to someone and exchange it for two fives and it has the same value, obviously. So with a non-fungible token an nft that is not possible it means that the you like the uniqueness of it cannot be interchanged with something else so it could be anything it could be a, like it just they're basically I, they're making like a new currency like an nft is basically like you know they made bitcoin which was the uh the first ever online currency created from air i guess now these are like the collectibles these are like one of a kind like i think kings of leon sold their album for like six million dollars i don't forget what album it was but like they sold the album so like we can listen to their songs on apple music on youtube and all this shit like we all have access to it but someone now can say that they own the album like the actual album the album itself is in their possession so i don't like i mean cool like yeah i guess that has tangible value i guess if we give it it but like what do you, I, I understand that they, like there's only one album and that this one person can own it. But 
it's just a weird concept to me. And then, of course, we have dickheads like Gary Vaynerchuk all over it. I mean, I love Gary V. I kind of found him in university when I was getting into podcasting. I actually did a project on podcasting and some entrepreneurial course. And that's how I found out about Gary V. And I'm a big fan of him. It was at the time anyways. But then you realize that everything coming out of his mouth is just vague horseshit. And he's just blowing smoke up everyone's ass. It's just kind of hilarious. But he's going on the other day saying that if you you have to... How does he talk? He's like, you have to find... I don't even want to do it. Because his voice is so fast and so high-pitched. It actually pisses me off. I might go bang my head off the fucking wall after I speak about him. But he's telling the other day, he's like, you got to find value. You got to find the value in the community that you want to represent. You got to find value for the customer. You, you find value through them through the NFTs. Sky's the limit. And it's just like, shut up. It's making me sick. But there's a lot of talk now. It's kind of getting weird. Like, we're getting this digital money. We're getting now digital collectibles. There's a lot of talk about like, we're getting like, it's like we're gearing up to live in like a virtual world. It's like we're like people are buying digital properties. People are buying digital everything now. It's 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 terrifying, and honestly, it, it's it's not going to stop anytime soon. This was scary. I listened to this financial podcast called Stacks Daily, just like quick fifteen minute bullshits about like random business news throughout the day, and it's kind of cool. But they have been talking on and on about this thing called roadblocks, and I had never heard of it, and I'm sure not many of you have. If you have, good for you. But what roadblocks is? It's this game where I honestly don't even know what they do. I have no idea what the game is. But at the moment, a statistic is showing that 75% of 9 to 12-year-olds in America are playing roadblocks. So you go find a 5th grader, a 6th grader. You go ask, you know, 5 of them. 4 to 5 are basically going to be playing that game. Probably. That's probably the wrong math. But what I'm saying is a fuck ton of people are playing this game. And it's one of those games where you don't pay anything to get on it. It's free to download, but then if you want to do anything on it, you know, you want to get coins, you want to get outfits, whatever the shit they do, to keep going, you got to pay money. You got to pay real money to get involved in this game. And so it's basically creating another like digital world like that. Kind of weird. But this is nine to 12 year olds, and they're just getting used to doing that. I mean, it's no different. Like, I played RuneScape and shit when I was younger. I would have been grade five and six, and, you know, there's digital coins and shit like that. And, you know, people did have members' accounts where you would pay to like, I forget if anyone played RuneScape or like, you know, Call of Duty, you could pay to get like some certain, like it was like, I think it was either a one-time fee or maybe it was monthly, but you know, you did that, but you didn't, there might've been the option, you know, you got an early induction where you could have paid more to get certain perks, but these games weren't delegated by like, you literally, you know, pay money to keep going. And I just feel like these kids are getting used to fucking around these virtual worlds. Like think about Snapchat I've had Snapchat for 10 years probably. Like I, At the time when I got Snapchat, I certainly would have thought... I, I just thought it was something stupid that we'd all mess around with for a couple weeks. 10 years later, it's still something I use every day. I probably use Snap more than texting. Half the people I talk to, I don't even, I don't even text. I just snap them. So what if these kids are used to playing some fucking roadblock bullshit for 10 plus years? Or they just get used to that digital world. They're buying shit. It's going to get a little weird. It's going to get weird. Like I just, It's just weird how like back in the day... You'd pay your, you'd pay your 80 bucks for your Call of Duty game or whatever, and 80 bucks might be high for back then, but it's probably low for these days. You'd, you'd buy that and, it, and you'd own the game. And you, know, you did what the game had its capabilities for, but now it's like you get on a game and there's always that option to spend more and more money. And how crazy these motherfuckers are about gaming these days and how 
it's shocking. I, I don't game, so I always forget how crazy people are about it. But once you know, I playing hockey and seeing how many guys still are gamers at our age and stuff like that, like it's crazy. So like, what a fucking industry. The sky's the limit. It, it's it, it is truly crazy. And I mean, I I didn't really want to get onto some big tangent about it, but it it is very odd. It it is very crazy, and um, it'll be interesting to see how that goes. But keep keep an eye on that. Remember what roadblocks is because. I don't know if there's a way, I don't think, I remember hearing talk about them doing like an IPO, whatever co- company owns them. But if they're, I'm not an investor, even though everything I say on this show can be used for investment advice and you should buy all securities that I speak of. All right. I could probably go for jail for saying that joking, but um, think about it might be buzzing. That could be my financial advice that I've never made to anyone. I'm going to do it on a program on the air. That sounds smart. All right. Um, moving on. Last night was the Grammys and I didn't watch much of it. I wanted to watch it because I thought, hey, that'd be a great thing to do as a podcaster. You watch a current event show filled with stars, celebrities that people know and hold dear to themselves with music they love. Watch the Grammys and talk about it. I didn't make it too far into the Grammys, folks. It was so bad. It was so horrific. I've seen private schools, high school graduations in Calgary that had better setups for that than they did in the Staples Center parking lot. Megan the Stallion got nominated for the best new artist. In the middle of her speech, you could hear someone's rice rocket in the back revving up the engine. Sounded like someone going down by the bars in Calgary on 17th Ave. You know when you're having a beer on the patio on a nice day and that fucking asshole keeps going by in his rigged up car there getting the muffler spanking all over the street? It sounded like that, but we were at the Grammys. The Grammys, man. Like, the Grammys is also so sad. It's so sick. The lineup they had there. Like, I don't mean to bash on the current days of music, but it, it I, I hate being that guy to say it's fallen a long ways. But what the fuck was that? You're telling me that Harry Styles dancing around with a scarf on singing Watermelon Sugar High is the best we can do? Or what's that song that, was it Baby sings? It's like the ones like, brand new Lamborghini gonna come. What's the moment? What's the fuck? It's like the, it's like the in the background. There's like this car going like, ding it. You know what I'm talking about? He does it in addition to that. I don't know what the fuck he was doing. I don't know if that was. I don't know what it was. It was like he was trying to make it like musical. He was rapping. There was people playing guitars and cellos, and it was different. It was different. And then you had Billie Eilish up there with her brother creating some sort of incestual weird love music that I've never heard before. But it actually wasn't bad. But it's a little different for the Grammys. It sounded like... Or who was the girl in the pink? I've seen... She sang there. It was the Grammys I was watching. I've seen people with better Zoom backgrounds as backdrops. This is the Grammys. It's supposed to be the height of musical production. Makes me sick. It really does. Like, How overproduced can the music industry become? That's why like... I never try to push my music tastes on anyone because I know to the grand scheme of the general public that they're not good and a lot of people do not take interest in the kind of music I like. But what I lately, and it's just been the last couple of years, I have just found the biggest, biggest appreciation for just a guy sitting down with him and his guitar, a guy that can sing and play the guitar well, no drums, no percussion, no other music needed. There's some simplicity to that that is so beautiful. And I think that it might be me trying to break free all of the overproduced bullshit that is shoved down our throats. Does anyone even think this shit is good? Or is it just that we have no option? We have no other option of anything to listen to. We'll never know. We'll never know. I laughed when I saw this. That uh, I, and, I, and I heard that he was going to be presenting an award beforehand. Bill Burr, who is an absolute comedic god. I love him. He's so funny. 
but I heard that he was going to be at the Grammys that he would be presenting an award. And I laughed because I was like, you wait and see, like this will somehow blow up. This will become some sort of cancel culture thing. Like, you know, he was on SNL several months ago and he had a really funny opening monologue and people did not like it. People were genuinely upset about that one. But this time I, I go on last night and Bill Burr is trending and everyone's going nuts. And I don't understand. Like he had a, he, I think he had like a minute and a half, not even a minute and a half. He would have actually been speaking um, he made a joke about wanting to kill himself and some, some, some terrible bass solo earlier. And then he made some joke about a rock star that he grew up listening to that no one knew. And, you know, it, I don't think his jokes were really hidden. It didn't really seem like Bill Burr. Like he wasn't killing it as usual, but he, it was quick. Like he wasn't trying to be that funny. I don't think. And then right before he hands out the best new Latino hip hop artist or whatever category it was, he said something about white women going to be pissed that he's announcing the Latino awards or some shit. And like, apparently Twitter was fired up. Everyone was losing it. It was going absolutely berserk about canceling Bill Burr and everyone's, you know, in backlash being like these fucking soft bitches. They can't take it. Gen Z bunch of losers, bunch of bobs, bunch of socks. And then you go and you press on the, the hashtag on Twitter, however you find it. And you can't find one person actually saying anything bad about Bill Burr. It's just all people like screenshotting someone who had a bad tweet about it. I saw like a million different screenshots of like one tweet. So I was like, did two people have a problem with this? Like did three people actually have a problem with what he said? And then now it's like, there's obviously cancel culture and it's in full swing. But now there's just like, people are like, there's like a culture of reacting to cancel culture. Like I think 20 people run with something and there's a national medium news story on it. Like if one, like you can go on Twitter right now, social media, anything. And you, who, who, you listening to this has 100% been guilty of this. You have seen one person who has disagreed with your view. And you've immediately laughed, thrown your hands up in the air and probably said to someone on your right. It's unbelievable. Everyone on Facebook is fucking losing their minds. Everyone's dumb. Everyone has so-and-so opinion just because you saw one thing. I think that we all do that. The media certainly does it. And I mean, like for another example, in Canada, every other day, there'll be a hashtag trending on Twitter. And I just talk about Twitter because that's the most easily one to talk about trending topics. I'm not sure if many of you listeners even use Twitter. I use Twitter. Don't tweet much. But I mean, it's a hilarious app that I'm never going to stop stop with. But you click on these hashtags. Like I just said, there's always this one that is called Trudeau, worst PM ever. And you click on it. And like, there's obviously some people joining the bandwagon, but other than that, it's just all people responding to the hashtag being like, what a stupid hashtag. Like, who's even saying this? Like, what? The bots are at it again. Hope this isn't the conservatives funds. What a stupid waste of money. All these tweets start happening between 4 and 2 a.m. This is an, this is an obligation. This is QAnon. This is Antifa. Like, people go on. And I'm like, I don't think anyone's even saying this shit. Like, who, where does this viral bullshit even come from? That's why you just have to ignore it. Like the internet isn't real people. When people start getting mad at you on the internet, it's not real. It's not real life. So that's why I'm going to have some fun with this show. Like I haven't, this show's not big enough to even get me in trouble, but you know what I mean? The day that that comes, I hope I have the strength to just keep moving on because the internet backlash, it's, it doesn't exist. It's not real life. So let's forget about it. First of all, let's forget about the Grammys. That was a fucking horrific show. It was so bad. I can't believe how poor the state of mainstream music is right now. It couldn't, it almost couldn't be worse. Not good. But we're going to move on from that. 
I've already been talking for a while, folks. I got to do. I was just gonna do a quick one today. A little. I was gonna do some clerical duties, but I have to touch off with this. Um, this is fucking hilarious to me. This this is amazing to me. So obviously, I'm sure many of you are familiar with Patreon, the uh, app that offers you. You know, Tim Dillon, for example, my favorite comedian. He has a weekly podcast. He has a Patreon where you can get up to one, maybe two podcasts a week extra if you pay $5 a month to his Patreon subscription. And this guy's hilarious. He's so funny. And he's he's always up to date on current events and stuff. So it's in a way, it's like getting my world news just through this funny motherfucker who looks at the world hilariously. Um, so I, I, I listen to that a lot. That's my experience with Patreon. Patreon, you can go and see. It'll tell you how much money they get monthly from all their Patreons combined. So, you know, you can kind of have an idea what's going on. And, I mean, it's it's good. Like, you can you can fund people and kind of let them be their own bosses without, you know, them having to join some media outlet and, and get their voice out there that way. So, it's very beneficial. You know, there's a lot of, you know, musicians use it all the time. You know, you got to support. You can support. You can put your money where your mouth is. You can support who you need to be supporting. It's a very beautiful thing. But I've just recently seen that, unfortunately, making their way under the Patreon waterways, we'll call it, are fucking stupid, like, irrelevant reporters. I'm, gonna, I'm speaking on hockey reporters. I'm sure this is happening elsewhere in the sports media landscape. But this is hilarious. So I've, I've noticed multiple <clears throat> reporters, I think, like, work for, like, The Athletic, work for, like, no one. They're tweeting to nobody. And they're just nerds. Like, I, I hate this one guy. His name is Jeff Villette, I think his name is. And I, I mean, I've never met you, Jeff. I just see your tweets and I, and I, and I think you're fucking, ho- I think you're awful. Joking, God love you. Knock on wood. You shouldn't say anyone's horrible. But I just don't understand. Like, could you imagine? So what? You want me to go on Patreon? And pa- so I, this guy's asking for his Patreon. <clears throat> I go and click on his Twitter. He has 35,000 tweets. And I mean, he has 20-some thousand followers. So yeah, there's people out there listening to him. But you know what I mean? Like when you're a guy like that and you're trying to grow your Twitter account, you're trying to grow your social media account, are you, are you really hiding anything in there? Do you have 30, you have 30,000 tweets? You've had the account for not that long, maybe a couple of years. I don't know how long he's had. I didn't look. But I don't think you're holding many thoughts inside there. Do I really need to dig into my pockets and fork up $5 to you so that I can look at your tweet rewritten to a blog format, maybe given to me audio, audio, audibly through a podcast or something? For something that you just tweeted six hours ago, because buddy, I think you're emptying out your skull already there on the on the timelines. I don't know if you have that much more to offer. How? Why? Like you have to be some fucking hell of a reporter for me to think that I'm gonna find value in me throwing five bucks, which could just might as well go into the fucking wind. I'm not gonna see anything from that five buck subscription. What am I gonna get? The same news just regurgitated through another motherfucker's mouth that was just sit on Sportsnet, ESPN. Hulu, all that bullshit at the same time. You want me to find value in you as a customer in that. Hard, hard sell. I mean, I'm not going to be buying that. I'm not going to be buying that. And the the guys that are doing this, I mean, there's a new age of hockey reporter that makes me so fucking sick to my stomach. It is disgusting. There's a new breed where you discredit anything that is not derived analytically that is not some new age formula of bullshit to find some stat that never existed in a game that like that now somehow matters. Like it, it just blows my mind, the shit that these guys are talking about. And my favorite thing is, and this actually made me laugh earlier in the year, you know, you see those guys like Steve Dangle and they're all laughing and being like, I can't, like remember, this is a perfect example. It was 
I think it was the first Wayne Simmons fight of the year. This is early in the season. Toronto was playing. Forget who they were playing. But Wayne Simmons gets in a fight. The Leafs are down. They come back and, sc- and, and score a couple goals and end up winning the game. And, I mean, personally, if I'm in that dressing room and uh, we're down a couple goals and my teammate Wayne Simmons goes out there, gets a fight, gets a little bit of a spark, uh, gets the boys feeling good about themselves, and then we roll on and put in a couple goals and win that game. I mean, yeah, I'm probably going to attribute that to some sort of difference maker in the game. But then you get these guys arguing on Twitter and shit. They're like, no, well, what about the the three five-on-three power plays they capitalized on afterwards? That had nothing to do with the fight. They just were scoring. They were capitalizing. I'm like... Listen here, fuckwad, who's never put skates on, who's never even been out of the house, he's never touched a puck off his own driveway. When you when there's a little bit of there's some emotion involved in the game, and when when certain things happen, they might get your head in a different space that might start getting you acting a little different way. When you see your buddy go out there and just get punched in the face, throwing knuckles with another guy, maybe he beats him up. There might be a little bit of a fire in you that might grow in your belly. Maybe getting your headspace into a spot where you think, hey, maybe I need to start fucking bringing some fire to my game and making a difference like he just did. Maybe maybe that just re- maybe that rewires everything going on in your mental state at that moment and gets you a little bit more focused on your own game, which might be a Ma- Mitchell Marner ripping one or Austin Matthews ripping one. You don't know that. You certainly don't know that because you don't play. And they're always discrediting like t- like analysts on TV that were like, 20-year NHL veterans, like absolute studs. And they're saying, well, the Simmons fight probably got a little bit of something going under their boots there. The boys were looking good after that. I, I mean, I would probably take his words before you, the guy who's been on, who made his, like, who grinded his way through YouTube to get up here to hear his voice heard. Probably going to take him. And I always laugh. There's always these guys, they're preaching analytics, 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 analytics. And I mean, you can do all that stuff and you can get all that you can out of that, but you're not going to program any hockey player to, at the end of the day, like you you can take what you want from these stats, but I I still see there's just too much emotion in games like that. There's too much, like, I don't give like zone entries and shit we're, we're tracking now. Yeah, sure. Might be a stat that you can, you know, somehow attribute to success in the long run, but like, can we cut it out? I mean, I've played some high level hockey. I played a little bit of pro this year, minor pro. We don't talk about Corsi. We don't talk about our zone entries. Uh, we don't talk about a lot of these things. Some teams might, and some teams might be successful when they do so, and they don't think that other teams who don't do it might be a bunch of clowns. That's good for them. Good for them. But I don't think, I do not think that analytics are taking over the world like people think they are. Obviously, they're making a difference, but they're going to be there, and I mean, I don't know, a little lower scale right now, I think, than you might expect. Don't listen to the Twitter hero on your timeline telling you that that is how it works right now because I guarantee you it doesn't. It does not. All right, folks. I I don't. I had a couple things written down and I and I just kind of um, kind of started yapping. But we're gonna have a good week here. It's Monday the fifteenth, as I've already said. I'm gonna try to get a couple guests out this week. Um, I'm gonna be in quarantine till the twenty fourth of March, so I got another nine days of this shit. So I hope you don't mind. Um, I'm just going to keep pumping them out a bit. Um, I really ask you guys to please do a favor, though. You have to download the episodes. I cannot reiterate that enough. For some reason, podcasting, the analytics behind it, they cannot simply track um, a simple play. You can't just press play, listen to my podcast through. I get no analytics, no benefit. No one knows that you even listen to it. So you have to download the show. I know that takes up space on your phone. Quickly give it a little delete after. I thank you for it. 
Um, go and like my Facebook page. Go like my Instagram. Go follow it, sorry. And um, I'm going to be making posts on there. I need a little help with the social media, all right? So just uh, give it a like. Give it a follow. If you haven't yet done so, give me a rating on iTunes. Give me a little blurb. Give me some five stars. That's how this thing gets off the ground. And it's hard to do so when I'm not putting any money into advertising and all that shit because I don't believe in that. If people actually wanted to hear what I have to say, they would do so on their own. They wouldn't do so because I paid 10 bucks for someone who would never have came across it to see it. All right? That's not how I'm going to do this show. But I got a lot of cool stuff coming up, folks. Got a lot of cool projects. This show ain't going anywhere. It's good to be back home in Canada. And uh, we'll be talking to you very, very soon.